community for people who've given up on church but not on God. If you'd like to learn more about our locations in Huntersville, Davidson, and Denver, North Carolina, you can check us out online at lakeforest.org. Thanks! So nice to be with y'all. Bill and I and our four kids worship at Lake Forest Davidson. So, but I know lots of familiar faces here. So it's really, it's really fun for me to be here with y'all. Let me pray for us and we'll jump right in. Father God, thank you for just a moment to be still um, and to just um, listen for you. Father, we came walking in here this morning, each at a different place in our story, some of us carrying joy, some carrying great hardship, Lord, probably most of us carrying some of both. And God, we just ask in this time, in these next few minutes, that through your word and the guidance of your Holy Spirit, that you would teach us, that you would change our hearts, that you would draw us to you, Father. We ask that you would speak into our individual hearts and story exactly where we are and draw us to you, God. Lord, we ask that in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Well, I thought I would start this morning by just sharing a mom fail right out of the gate. I have four children, and so I've had many opportunities to mom fail, as it turns out. And one of my mom fails is that until this past fall, I had never taken my children apple picking. I know, I know. Apple picking is like something that's American, like you just ought to do it. But I just had always intended to do it and never really got around to it. So my friend Amy said, hey, I'm going apple picking. And I said, awesome, I'm in. Now Amy's the kind of person that's been taking her kids apple picking since they were like embryos, right? So I said, I am just along for the ride. I don't need to know anything. I'm just gonna follow you around and do what you say. So we get up there, top of this mountain, and the boy's trying to get the wagon, and I'm just kind of hanging out, and Amy's paying all, figuring out where the apples are, and turns out we were a little late in the apple picking season, so we had to go all the way to the bottom of the mountain with our wagon. And then the boys had to climb up the trees and toss down apples to us, you know, which they loved, and so we caught apples that they were tossing to us for about two hours. By the time we finished, we had this wagon loaded down with apples. Now remember, we're at the bottom of the mountain, right? Okay, so we start going up this mountain and at first I look like this. And I noticed the wagon was like, I mean, I guess, you know, they're old, they sit out in the rain, but it was kind of stiff and not really working great. So I start pushing, Amy's pulling and I'm pushing. Now this is me smiling at the bottom of the mountain. Okay, we get about halfway up, you'll notice the smile has faded from my face because now I'm starting to sweat. Now I'm starting to think, I hate apple picking, right? I'm pushing this broken cart up the mountain, loaded down with apples. Where are the kids? Oh, the kids are gone. They're, you know, they're off spending my money in the store on apple pies and apple cider and all that stuff. And so we finally get to the top. I'm totally perspiring by this point. Standing there with these apples, right? The kids are out spending, you know, 60 bucks in the store on everything apple. And this other mom comes walking up with her wagon. She's got a wagon loaded down with apples and two kids sitting on the wagon. Here she is, la, 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 la. And she just like pulls up right beside me. And, and I couldn't help it. It just came out of my mouth. I said, man, your wagon really moves. Mine's broken. And the seven-year-old on her wagon looked at me and said, well, you know your brakes on, right? 
Yep. Break. All the way up the mountain. Okay. I told you I knew nothing about apple picking, right? It's a true story. Knew nothing about, I was uninformed as to how the wagon actually worked because when I was growing up, the brake on my red flyer were my feet, okay? I didn't know wagons had brakes. I was uninformed. And because I was uninformed, the apple picking journey was much harder than it needed to be. I still got to the top, but it was much harder than it needed to be. Turns out when you're uninformed about things in life, it makes life a lot harder, right? So I'm a romantic at heart, and, and Bill and I have been watching this old house in Davidson, and we said, we could, we could rebuild it. We could make it better than it is now, right? Just a little paint, a little splatter, a little something, something. It'll be awesome, right? Started out looking something like this. Mm-hmm. Now you're thinking, she is nuts. Why are we listening to her? <laughs> so it, it, was, it needed some love and care, for sure, right? What we were uninformed about was what it really means to redo a 1904 house. We were uninformed that the main beam going through the house, had, there had been a fire in the house at some, por- at some point, and it was almost burned through, had to be replaced. We were uninformed that the chimneys were about to er, fall over, and they had to implode them into the house and rebuild them back up. We were uninformed about exactly what it takes to make something that's really old into something that's restored. And two years later, we had a better idea of what that really meant. If you're uninformed about things, it can be a lot harder than it needs to be in life. One more thought, being a mom, I have four. You know the graduation book that everybody gives that says, um, oh, the places you'll go, who wrote that? Dr. Seuss, right? All the places you go. I saw another one in the bookstore around graduation time. It said, all the stuff you don't know. I was like, now that is a book everybody needs right there. That's the one we need. That's what it's like to be a mom, right? You read the books. You get the nursery ready. But all the stuff you don't know. All that you don't know that with every child, a little bit of your heart is out there with them forever. So it turns out the more serious the thing is, the more important it is to be as informed as you can be, right? So what about our souls? I mean, what what could be more important than our souls? For us to be informed about what God says and how God wants to nurture our souls and build our souls and shape our souls and use our souls in this world, what could be more important to be informed about. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. We've been talking about the Holy Spirit for a number of weeks now. And it's interesting when I talk to people about God, just in conversation, um, they, they kind of get God the Father. We, you may not have had a great earthly father, but you can understand that concept, right? God the Father. God the Son, you can kind of get your, your head around that one. But God the Holy Spirit that one gets a little fuzzy sometimes, doesn't it? What, what do we compare the Holy Spirit to? Friends, it turns out if we're informed about what the Holy Spirit is meant to do in our lives, we will experience God so much more deeply. We will see him more in our world that is broken and hurting and in need of him. And we'll see him reaching out to the broken, 
hurting people around us. And so that's where Paul starts. He starts in 1 Corinthians 12, 1, and he says this. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. So if we're Christians, we worship one God that we experience in three persons. Let me say that again. We worship one God that we experience in three persons, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. A, a word that is really churchy that we use sometimes is the Trinity, which sounds churchy until you realize it's just two words, tri-unity. Try experiencing a God in three persons, and they're in unity, they're in relationship. And we as believers get called up into that relationship. It's beautiful and real and powerful. So how do we experience the Holy Spirit in particular, though? Well, that verse, 1 Corinthians 12, 1, says, Now about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, I don't want you to be uninformed. Because it's about your soul, right? It's about God in your soul. So don't be uninformed, Paul says. So we're gifted by the Holy Spirit. We're gifted by him to play a unique role in God's story. Let me say that again. When you cross the line of faith, every single believer, whether you maybe said when you were four years old, God, I want to follow you, or maybe on the way over here this morning, you said, I think I want to follow God, or whether you're still thinking about who God is in your life. When you make that step in your heart, in your soul, and you say, God, I need you. Forgive me, I want you to lead my life instead of me. I want you to come into my life. In that moment, the Holy Spirit of God gifts you with a unique gift to be used in this world, in God's story. In that moment, every single believer has at least one. I love the way Paul puts it in 1 Corinthians 12, 7. Listen to this. Now to each one, that's everybody that's crossed the line of faith, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. What is manifestation? To manifest something is to make something that would otherwise be abstract clear. How abstract is God to most of the world? Very abstract. How many, how many times do people say, God, where are you? Abstract. So manifestation is that this gift that lives within you, if you're a believer, it's meant to make something that's abstract to most of the world, God, obvious, seen, real, impacting, active in the world. That's the goal of the gift that's within you, for you to make God seen in this world as you use it. Well, so what are some of the gifts? Well, this Bible says here's just a, a, a few of them. Wisdom, knowledge, faith, service, teaching, encouragement, giving, leadership, mercy, counseling. And you say, wait, wait, wait a minute teaching, mercy, service, that, what's the difference between a natural gift and a spiritual gift? Well, that's a good question. I mean, natural gifts, everybody is given a natural gift when they're born, right? What's interesting is those are from God too. People don't always know it, but every gift that's a natural gift that you have is designed by God, given by God, knit together in you by God. Those are natural gifts. So what's a spiritual gift? 
A spiritual gift is activated by faith. So when you cross the line of faith, you're given a spiritual gift by the Holy Spirit. So it's activated by faith, and it aims to encourage faith in another person. To encourage faith or introduce faith or build up faith. So here's what a spiritual gift is. From faith to faith. Given when you come to faith, meant to be poured through you into a broken world, broken people, to encourage faith or introduce faith or build up faith. A spiritual gift is faith to faith. Well, so people say, okay, so how do I find mine? What does that even look like? Well, I find sometimes that people get a little caught up in trying to name it, and really they just need to look inside their hearts. Because what did God say about when he designed you, how he made you? He said he knit you together. He knit you. He designed you. He purposely crafted you. Whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, whether you're detail-oriented or you didn't even know there were details, whether you're outside of the box or you're like, what box? Who knew there was a box? He designed that. And when he gives you your Holy Spirit, I mean, his Holy Spirit gives you a gift, it fits with your natural gifts. So you begin by looking inside and going, what do I really care about? That's where you start. What do I really care about? Here's some questions to think about. Ready? What frustrates you if it's done really poorly? What frustrates you if it's done really poorly. Start, start looking there. Pay attention to that. What, if you heard about a need, if, they, if someone passed away or there was an accident or somebody was sick and you heard about this need and you love this person and you wanted to help, what would be the first thing you would think to do? Would you think, I should pray? I should get a group of people together to pray? Or would you organize meals? Or maybe you'd organize a team of guys to cut their grass while they sat the long hours in the hospital. Maybe you'd go to the hospital and you'd sit with them, not because you had something brilliant to say, but just because you wanted to give them the power of presence. Maybe you'd connect them with a lawyer or a doctor or someone that had walked through what they're walking through before. What's the first thing you would think to do? Pay attention to that. It's a gift inside of you. What is something that could come up in conversation and, and, it was, and you'd start talking about it and they'd be like, okay, that's an, enough already because you just can't stop talking about it. You're so passionate about that thing being done well or being seen or being executed properly. What is something you do and people take notice? They say, that was amazing or that was really helpful or that was really beautiful and you're thinking inside of you, I didn't really do anything. That's because it's a gift. Because it comes so naturally to you and other people notice it and they're blessed by it. Faith to faith. Their faith is built up. They're encouraged. They're strengthened because of that thing that poured through you that came so naturally. One more thought. What breaks your heart in this world? What breaks your heart? Where do you look around and say, why is God not doing something about that? Start there. Start serving there. Because, friends, he is doing something about that. You're the plan. 
that gift that he poured into your heart and soul and crafted into your being, you're the plan. When Jesus was getting ready to die and he was sitting with his closest friends in that upper room, one last meal, and he was trying to explain to them, I have to die. And they, it was so big. It was so not what they expected. They couldn't even take it all in. They couldn't even really grasp what he was saying. And he was trying to say to them, I have to die, but I will send a counselor, the Holy Spirit, who will gift you, who will equip you to manifest, to show me to a broken world, to, to be poured through you to heal and encourage and bring faith to a broken world. I'm going to give you gifts. You're the plan. Now, personally, I would have gone with something a little more surefire if I had been Jesus. But that's his plan. It's us. So how do we experience the Holy Spirit? We experience him by being gifted. We also experience him by being empowered and deployed. You won't need your strength to use your gift. You'll need willingness You'll need a heart that makes room for the gift to flow, but he will empower you to use it. He'll teach you to use it. He'll help you improve it as you use it in service, right? And he'll deploy you exactly where you are in this world right now. There was an article on the front page of the San Francisco Chronicle last year. The, in San Francisco is the Bay Area. It's a very, very wealthy area of California. And it was an article, front page, about a metro transit operator named Linda Wilson Anlin. She's a bus driver. Front page of the paper says, Linda drives a bus like Jesus would drive a bus if he was driving a bus. It says she knows her regulars and calls them all by name. It says if they're late, she waits on them and then makes up time later in the route. That's my kind of bus driver right there. She said there was this story in the article about an older woman in her 80s named Elsie. And Elsie's waiting at the bus stop when Linda pulls up and the doors open and she's loaded down with groceries. And she's trying to get on the bus and Linda said, Elsie, give me those groceries. And she grabbed them up out of Elsie's hands and she said, Elsie, go sit down. I'll bring them to you. She brought them in. Now Elsie waits and lets other buses pass by because she wants to ride on Linda's bus. People found out that, um, that uh, Linda likes to accessorize her uh, bus uniform with scarves, and so they began to bring her scarves. And one day they were driving by this shelter several times in the day, and Linda noticed this young teenage girl sitting in the shelter. She knew when things were out of place, and so finally... She just stopped, and she just opened up the bus, and she said, Honey, you all right? You look kind of lost. Takes the time to find out that this young girl named Tanya had traveled across the country, because how hard would that, could that be, and was now essentially homeless and had no one to call. It was almost Thanksgiving. And so this is the quote in the paper. Linda says, Come on over to my house for the holiday, baby, and kick it with me and the kids. Now Tanya and Linda are friends. She helped her find her footing. People love Linda so much that they offer her their time in their vacation homes. They bring her potted plants and flowers. The, the, the article in the paper was written by the guy who rides her bus. 
the reporter rides her bus. And he was mystified by this whole thing. He's looking around and he says this, he says, she's created this little community on the bus. He didn't even know he needed community. And there he sat in the middle of it. Think about all the reasons Linda could have come up with not to do that in her job. She could have said, I'm not educated. It's really long hours. I have to deal with cranky passengers and engine breakdowns and traffic every single day, all day. And people leave trash behind. But she didn't pick those excuses. The paper said, Linda, how, how, what makes you different? Front page. She said, my mood's always set at 2.30 a.m. each day when I get down on my knees and ask God to help me be the person he made me to be. And then she gets to the end of her route and she says, that's all, love ya, you take care. Friends, she started right where she was. She's a bus driver, she's a single mom. She gets up at 2.30 every day and she could have done it grumpily and, and without love and without mercy, but instead, we spare no expense with graphics, by the way. She, she let the spiritual gift of, of service pour through her to other people. And, and a reporter who did not even know there was a community of faith, who did not know he needed a community of faith, was caught up into the community of faith by watching her. That's the power of a spiritual gift in this world. Friends, a friend named Chad was in a, a um, tech industry, beginning of his career, and it was a miserable job. He had a terrible manager. Everything comes down from leadership, right? And so he had this office with this horrible manager, and they did project after project. And the guy had him stand there till 11, 12, and he would say to him, it's just this project, right? As soon as we get done with this one, we're good, we're golden. And then it would be the next project. And then it would be the next project. And families were starting to be affected, and people were exhausted, and it was breaking up teams, and people were bitter and complaining and angry, except two guys. And Chad's like, he noticed. What's up with these two guys? And so one day he went up to one of them and he said, hey man, aren't you ticked? Like, like what, why are you not mad about this? And the guy goes, oh, I'm, I'm furious. I mean, it's terribly, terribly run. I'm, I'm really mad. And Chad said, well, I can't tell. I never hear you saying anything. And the guy said, you know what? Man, I used to have this terrible anger problem. And I'm still wrestling with it. I'm not gonna lie to you but it was tearing apart my family and it was destroying me from the inside out. And, and God's really made a difference at changing that in my life. Chad's watching him. He goes, man, you go to church? Yeah. You wanna come? Okay. So Chad went to Lake Forest Huntersville with his wife, never been to church, sat in the back row in case it got too weird and he wanted to sneak out. And then he came back the next week. Then he came back the next week and then eventually he said, God, I want, I want you to lead my life because I'm, I'm not doing a good job of it, God. I want you to lead my life. And now Chad is one of our elders at Lake Forest because some men at his office who were in the middle of a really bad situation let God pour the spiritual gift of leadership through them into another man who did not even know he needed God changed not only his life, but his wife's life and his family's life. Last thought, my new friend, Jana, she works at North Mecklenburg High School. 
she said to me one day, she said, Holly, you know how like most teachers' cabinets are full of books and papers and all that kind of stuff, right? Mine's full of cans. And I said, what? Yeah, she said, Holly, you know how many homeless students there are in high school? I said, no. She said, 200. I said, 200 homeless students at, in CMS? She said, no, at North Mecklenburg High School. My school, she said. 200 that we know of. She said, I know of one family of five boys that are sleeping in their car right now. And she found out that they have the backpack program for the elementary kids and the middle school kids, but not high school kids. So she said, I just went down to Walmart and got a bunch of backpacks and, and some people helped me and we filled them up with cans and kids started coming by and getting them and taking them home. And when they brought them back empty, we'd fill them up again. She said, I did this for a while and then I started finding in the backpack little notes from students that said, hey, could you maybe help me get some clothes for my mom? She's like a size something. And then she'd get a little note, hey, we need some diapers for my little brother. She said, you have no idea what it is to look at a giant six foot three huge guy and have him looking down into your eyes asking you if you could help him get some underwear and deodorant because he has nobody else to turn to. Jana took her gift of mercy and she, she recognized that it had been given in faith to her by God and she looked right where she was. That's our town, friends, one school. And she looked right where she was and she thought, why is God not doing anything about this? Oh, wait, I could do something about this. And she let God pour mercy through her into the lives of so many students there. So what happens when we go faith from faith to faith and we use our gifts in a broken world? What happens? Eventually somebody turns around and goes, why are you doing this? It, Teacher, Jana, why, why all the others, everybody else sees it, but why are you doing this? And in your own personal way, in a way that feels natural to you, you just get to say, God, God's done something in my life, and I feel responsible to do something in yours. I want to do something in yours. When somebody says, why, why create a community on a bus? Like, what is that? Who does that? What is the deal with you? You get to say in your own little way, in your own words, the way you would say it. You get to say, God, it's made a difference in my life. And I want to make a difference in this world. When somebody says, dude, why are you not angry? Everybody else is ticked. What's your story? I used to be really, really angry all the time. And I'm still working on it, but God has done something in my life. And and I want to pour back into this world because of what he's done in me. From faith to faith encourages, opens up the possibility, makes real God in a world where God feels very, very abstract to people. Friends, we're the plan. God would call us to look inside our hearts and say, what am I passionate about? What is broken in my, my sphere right around me? Where can I encourage? Where can I lead? Where can I serve? Where can I pour mercy? Who did God make you to be? The call.
call is on your life to pour that into a broken, hurting world that those right in your story might see him, might consider him, might want the God of the universe in their life. Let me pray for us.